Good evening and welcome to tonight's Bible study. Last week, due to our week-long um, Easter fasting and prayer festival, our series was on a hold. Tonight, we continue with the parable on the lamp and the basket. Uh, so there are four scriptural references to this parable, and we looked at Matthew's account in chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. And from that scripture passage, we deduced some lessons, four of them. The first lesson, people have to feel our influence as Christians through our good works. Well, the parable in question is um, we are um, a lamp. We are a light on a hill. Nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel, as King James would say, or under a basket. And Christ extolled us by saying, let your light therefore so shine that men uh, through your good works will, will glorify the Father in heaven. So that's the parable at hand. So we learned that people have to feel our influence as Christians through our good works. If you're a Christian and you're not making an influence, it's a misnomer. As a Christian, is supposed to make an influence. And we make an influence through our good works. Number two, it's important to note that good works without Christ can have some influence, but won't glorify our Father. It's very important to note that. Very, very important to note that. Otherwise, heaven will be works-based. And heaven is not works-based. You don't, you don't go to heaven because you've done so many things. You go to heaven because you believe in Christ. That's the first thing. And secondly, as your profession of believing in Christ will now show forth by your works, right? So it's important to know that good works without Christ can have some influence, but I won't glorify our Father. Now, the third lesson we learned was our works have to be a conduit through which salvation is known to all men. That's why God wants us to be the light of the world and men will, will, will know us by our good works because it's supposed to be a conduit through which salvation is known to all men. And number four, good works have to be qualified. We look at that from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. So when we are talking about good works, we are talking about good works in Christ Jesus. Amen. So tonight, let's wrap up this parable by looking at three other scripture references. If you do remember two weeks ago, I did say that uh, the lamp under a basket is littered across for it's littered in four scripture references. So last last two weeks we dealt with Matthew five verse fourteen to sixteen. So today I want us to deal with the second scripture reference in Mark chapter four verse twenty one to twenty five. Mark chapter four verse twenty one to twenty five. Mark chapter 4, verse 21 to 25, I read, Also he said to them, It's a lamb brought to be put under a basket or under a bed. Is it not to be set on a lamb stand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed. Nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. 
with the same measure you use, it will be a measure to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight, for an opportunity to come before your, your word. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the scriptures, will breathe into us life, will bring breathe into us light from the scriptures, will give us revelation. May we live here with a very enlightened understanding of your scriptures, and most importantly, have the faith capacity to do your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so from this scripture, I, I thought of some phrases, the haves and the have-nots. Sometimes this is really used to sort of uh, uh, classify certain groups in society. And uh, you see that here. Now, in this scripture reference, the lamp, this time does not represent Christians. The lamp represents God's word. Amen. So the nature of God's word. So the parable that Jesus is talking about is about the word of God. If you look at this parable critically, even though it's also known as the lamp and the basket. Uh, and Jesus is saying that the nature of God's word is such that it can't be hidden. It has to be preached or revealed. And then light here in this scripture refers to revelation. Amen. So the lamp here talks about the word of God. And then the light that in verse 22 talks to us about revelation. Amen. Then it goes on to say that if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So if you read verse 24, after that statement, it then goes on to talk about the responsibility of hearing God's word. We have to take heed what we hear. So there are different ways by which we observe the word of God. And today, one of the things we have to get is that we, we have to take heed how we hear. And when we are talking about taking heed how we hear, it's addressing five things. It's addressing eagerness of mind. So when you talk about taking heed, eagerness of mind, you have to have a readiness of mind, eagerness of mind, readiness of mind to receive the word of God. When we talk about taking heed, it's also talking about humility of, of hearts. Humility of hearts. You receive the word of God with meekness of heart. That means you are not coming in with your presuppositions and your conceived thoughts, but you come in with humility of hearts. James chapter 1 says it clear. We should receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to change our souls. You see, the word of God, it will have change in us when we come with humility. Number three, it means we should have readiness to change. So anytime we approach the word of God, we should be prepared to allow the word of God to change something about us. 
change something about us. The word of God should have effects. That's what it means to take heed what you hear. A readiness to change. When you come for Bible study, readiness to change. That's part of taking heed to hear. Taking heed what we hear also means faith to apply the word. What's the importance of getting all the knowledge and then you don't apply it? And then the last thing, taking heed what we hear also means passing it on to the next person, especially the unsaved. So when the Bible talks to us about take heed what we hear, we have to consider these five components. Number one, eagerness of mind. Number two, humility of heart. Number three, readiness to change. Number four, faith to apply the word. And number five, passing it on to the next person, especially the unsaved. Anytime the word of God has been a blessing, pass it on. That's why Jesus started by saying that you can't put the lamp under a basket or under a bed. It's supposed to be set on a lampstand. The nature of God's word is such that it can't be hidden. So when you've received the word, what you have to do is to pass it on. That means you are taking heed. That's how you take heed to hearing the gospel. And the Bible lets us know that when we have an engaged response towards the word of God, it causes us to receive more. Like in verse 25, for whoever has to him more will be given. What's the more that will be given here? More of the treasures or the riches of the word of God. More will be given. When you have an engaged response to the word of God, which is also a lamp. You see, David once says something. Your word is a lamp to my feet. That's the word of God. So when Jesus is talking about lamp under a basket here, he now shifts the attention from Matthew chapter 5, which talks about us now, to talking about the word of God. And it's talking about our attitude with how we receive the word of God. How receptive are we to the word of God? Amen. So when we engage the word of God, when we have an engaged response, an interesting response, an enthusiastic response, the Bible lets us know that we receive more of the treasures or the riches of the word of God. That is what it means that to him that hears, more will be given. So you don't just receive more because you heard. You receive more because you took heed to what you hear. And taking heed to what you hear means you have an engaged response and having an, an engaged response includes all these things. Amen. That's the haves. Then Jesus now goes ahead to warn, but whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. That's the have-nots. And this is talking more about a passive response to the word of God. 
a disinterested response, casual response, um, a flippant response. And the Bible lets us know that when we are like that, the little revelation of truth that we have, it will be snapped out of our spirits. Now, how does that happen? How does the little that we have get away from us? Remember, if you read look, uh, Mark chapter 4 carefully, verse 21 to 25, the first 20 verses was talking to us about the parable of the sower, which we will come to. So Jesus is talking on the heels of that. Now, he spoke about four kinds of soils, which represent four kinds of hearts and how people's hearts were receptive to the gospel. And then now he finishes it off now by talking about the word of God, the attitude to the word of God. He is sort of given an exhortation the reason why the last heart could receive 30, 1600 fold was because they took heed to what they had. And because they took heed to what they had, more was given to them. But the first three grounds, which represents three different kinds of hearts, they were passive. And because they were passive, the little that they have was taken away. So when when Jesus is given caution to how we should engage the word of God, engage the word of God actively. There are two ways by which you can engage the word of God. You can engage the word of God actively or passively. And people who engage the word of God actively become blessed. They receive more revelation, more enlightenment. They get into contact with the treasures and the riches of the word of God. Those who receive it passively to the little that they have, they lose it. So now, the question we want to answer now is verse 25. Jesus says that what you have will be taken away from you. So how is the word taken away from you? Now, let's go back to Luke chapter 8. Because the reference of this lamp under the basket is in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 to 16. Mark chapter 4, verse 21 to 25. Luke chapter 8, verse 16 to 18. So let's look at Luke chapter 8, verse 11. So verse 16 to 18 of Luke chapter 8 is the same as Mark chapter 4, verse 21 to 25. I just read that to you. It's just the same. So now let's look at Luke chapter 8, verse 11 to understand some things. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. So later, we will come to this parable. But I want to read this scripture to explain how the word is taken away. Because Jesus is saying that if you don't have an engaged response and you have a passive response, the little that you have will be taken away. So now I'm focusing on how is the word taken away from us when we have a casual response. The seed is the word of God. 
Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no roots, who believe for a while, and in a time of temptation, fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruits to maturity. So from this scripture, five things can take away the seed of God's word. So when you read the scripture in Mark chapter 4, verse 25, and when it says, For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. May I submit to you, it's not God that will take the word away from you. That's what I want to submit. Because taken away by who? Who is the who there that will take the word away? Now, the first thing that we have to know is that it is not God that will take the word away. Do you understand? So now we are going to look at certain forces, certain elements that takes the word away when we have a casual response to the word of God. The first thing, the devil. It writes it there, right there. The Bible lets us know that the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Verse 12. So the devil is the first force that takes the word of God away. Verse 13, we see the second force. Temptation. Temptation takes the word away. That is why it is important to have an engaged response because when you have an engaged response and when you have revelation and when you come into contact with the true riches of the word of God, temptation in the first place will not let you fall. So temptation takes the word away. The third thing, that takes the word of God away. It's in verse 14. Curse. Anxieties, troubles, cares of this world, and take the word of God away. So if you don't have an engaged response to the word of God and you have a casual response, curse will take the word of God away. That's why it's, it is the greatest irony in church. Two people can come to church. One can receive a blessing. The other one too. It's very casual. And then when he switches on the news and then he hears about the cares of this world, the word is just gone. But what makes the difference between the engaged listener and then the casual listener? What is the difference? The difference is that the engaged listener, he has received more. When you take heed to what you hear, you receive more. That's all. But the casual listener doesn't receive anything else. So you leave yourself susceptible to forces of this world to carry the word away. And one of the things that can carry the word away are cares. You will see people who will be under great preaching, but still cares. 
antic how that word. Number four, riches. If you are a casual listener of the word of God, riches can destroy the seed of God's word in you if you take it away. And number five, pleasures of life. Pleasures of life. Amen. So theologically, this parable is also closely linked with the builder. That's why when you read Luke chapter 6, the Bible lets us know that the person that builds his house, the person that hears the word of God, is like the builder that builds his house on a rock. But the one who hears, is a casual listener. He, he just hears, but doesn't put the word into practice. He's like the person that builds his house on the sand. We just did that, I think, three weeks ago. Amen. So theologically, these scriptures are closely linked. Amen. So the, the second scripture reference in Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8, they talk to us about our response to the word of God. Your response to the word of God are only two ways. It's either engaged or casual. Engaged or casual. So we have to have an engaged response to the word of God because when we have an engaged response to the word of God, the Bible lets us know we'll receive more. And what does it mean to have an engaged response to the word of God? Five things. Eagerness of mind. Humility of heart, readiness to change, faith to apply the word of God, and passing it on to the next person, especially the unsaved. These components make up taking heed to hear. It, 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 it sums it up, which means that you have an engaged response. And when you have an engaged response, the Bible lets us know in Mark chapter 4, verse 25, to him that has more, more will be given to him. But to the one to, who is a casual listener, the little that he has, it will be taken away. And we've come to realize that the who that will take away is not God, but there are forces that will take it away. Amen. So now let's look at our last scripture reference in Luke chapter 11, verse 33 to 36. Luke chapter 11, verse 33 to 36. So this is the fourth time Jesus is going to talk about a lamp under a basket. And let's try and look at it here. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the lights. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no parts dark, the whole body will be full of light. 
as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 5, the light or the lamp represents believers. In Mark chapter 4, the lamp represents the word of God. Light represents revelation. That's Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8. And in Luke chapter 11, the word lamp represents the word of God again. So Mark 4, Luke 8, Luke chapter 11, the, the word lamp there all represents the word of God. In Mark chapter 5, the word lamp represents the believer. We all get it clear? All right. Now, it says that you don't light a lamp and put it in a secret place or under a basket, but a lampstand. The word of God is meant to be published and proclaimed, not hidden. David said it, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is meant to be published, proclaimed, and not hidden. So we, 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 have, we do a disservice when we always try to hide the word of God. We shouldn't hide the word of God. You know, today when I was even reading these scriptures, I, I even felt a bit convicted. Not a bit, I felt convicted. Like, don't hide the word of God. Make it known. Make it plain. Make, make it plain. Don't, don't, don't hide yourself in the name of humility. Make the word of God known. Publish it on every platform possible. Put it on the podcast, Facebook Live, whatever that you have to do. Make the word known. That's what I really got from this today. As I was just studying it, like, make the word known. Because the Bible lets us know that when you light a lamp, it is not supposed to be in a secret place or under a basket, but it's supposed to be on a lampstand. A lampstand is where the light has its most fluent expression. And when I'm using the word fluent, that means it shines brighter. So don't, don't, if, if, if you have the opportunity to be a steward of the word of God, don't hide it. Don't dim the light of the word. Make sure that the word has expression to go as far as possible. Let the word go. Let the word travel. Let, let the word go. The word is meant to be published. It's meant to be proclaimed and not hidden. We shouldn't put the word in a secret place or under, quote-unquote, a basket. We should get rid of anything that hinders the expression of the word of God. I'm just telling you what I learned today. Like, when I read this, this is what I learned. We should get rid of anything that will hinder the expression of the word of God. So when you hear the word of God, make sure that it's known. Don't hide it. Because the Bible says it's not meant to be in a secret place or under a basket or under a bed. 
is supposed to be on a lampstand. Make the podcast known to your friends. Do everything possible. Send them scriptures. Uh, if you are doing a devotional, share it with your friends. Make everything possible to make the word of God proclaimed and published. It's not supposed to be hidden. Amen. Now, light represents revelation. There is something about the word of God. The word of God brings revelation. The source of revelation comes from the word of God. And the eye here represents the mind. So when, when, the, when the Bible is using the word I, or when Jesus in his parable is talking about the word I, it's really talking about the mind. It's a figurative expression. And this scripture was pointed towards the Pharisees because the Pharisees read the scriptures, but they didn't come into contact with the light of the word, which is Jesus you see, anytime we read the scriptures, we have to come into contact with Jesus, who is the light of the word. It's, it's through him that you will have revelation. And these people, the reason why they behave the way they behave, their conduct was dark. Their conduct was not worthy of being called Christians. Why? Because they hadn't contacted revelation. And like Jesus used the euphemisms, when, when your eye is bad, your whole body is bad. Which simply means that when you have a closed understanding, when your mind is darkened, it affects the fruits and it affects your conduct. Christian or unchristian. Once upon a time, Jesus told the Pharisees something in John chapter 5 verse 39 to 40. He said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you will have eternal life. And these scriptures, they are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. So these Pharisees read the Bible. They read the lamp, but they never came into contact with the lights. They read the Bible, but they never came into contact with the lights. When the eyes of our understanding are enlightened, it shows in our godly conduct. That is one way by which we can have godly conduct. That is one way by which we can call ourselves Christians. We can call ourselves Christians. We can have fruits worthy of repentance or worthy of the new creation because we have come into contact with revelation. And you can't come into contact with revelation until you acknowledge Jesus, who is the Lord and the light of the world. That's the only way you, come, you will have revelation. But reading the Bible like a newspaper or a book, it wouldn't benefit you till you meet Christ. That's right. You see, in as much as there are two kinds of hearers, there are also two kinds of readers. There are two kinds of Bible readers. They are, they're the first kind of Bible read, reader 
who just read the Bible like a newspaper or a book. It's not going to benefit you. You will just become like a Pharisee. Your eye will not see light. Your eye will not see light. Therefore, the, the Bible will say that if the eye is dark, the whole body is bad. You will have a closed understanding. And then there's another group of Bible readers who read the scripture with the intent of meeting Christ. And when they meet Christ, who is the author of the scriptures, they come into contact with Revelation. And when you come into contact with Revelation, that is when you experience the power of the word. And when you experience the power of the word, the power of the word, it works in before it goes out. The power, it's able to transform and change your life before you become a conduit of transformation to other people. Amen. That's where real change begins. Real change begins when we have an encounter with God through the scriptures. So in as much as we have to have an engaged response to the word of God, we must also have an engaged participation when we read the Bible as well. Amen. So we can't be casual. We can't be flippant about how we hear the word of God or how we read the word of God. Because how we read the word of God will determine whether we will come into contact with revelation, the light of the word, which is Jesus, which will affect our character, affect our conduct, will shape us into new creation or not. Amen. So the parable of the lamp and the basket is very loaded and very mouthful. So there are three lessons that we can all learn from the, the parable of the lamp and the baskets. First lesson. We are the light of the world and we shouldn't be hidden. But influence our world through good works which are godly that our Father will be glorified. That's the first lesson. So from the four scriptures, Matthew 5 verse 14 to 16, Mark 4 21 to 25, Luke 8, verse 16 to 18. Excuse me. Luke 11, verse 33 to 36. Three lessons we can learn from this. The first lesson, we are the light of the world and we shouldn't be hidden, but influence our world through good works, which are godly, that our Father will be glorified. That's the first thing. The second lesson, when we receive the word of God as an audience, we should have an active and engaged response to receive the treasures and riches of God's word. A passive response lets us lose the word we have. That's the second lesson. So let me read that again. When we receive the word of God as an audience, we should have an active and engaged response to receive the treasures and riches of God's word. A passive response, let us lose the word we have. Passive response. Amen. And then the third lesson, we should read the word to fellowship with the light that is Christ, who can cause true transformation. And that is experience in our godly conduct. Any Christian who you see living a godly lifestyle, it is because he has come into contact with Christ through the word. 
That means he has moved from reading the Bible as a newspaper, as a book, or any source of information to now, I read the Bible to contact Christ. Because when you contact Christ of a truth, you can say, I've experienced transformation. And when you experience transformation, it will show in your conduct. These Pharisees, they were Bible readers. They were Bible scholars, but bereft of light. Jesus said it. You read the scriptures thinking you will have eternal life, but these scriptures, they testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. They read it, but they never came into contact with Christ. Amen. So these lessons sum up the parable of the lamp under the basket. I trust we have all learned something tonight. Questions and contributions are welcome. God bless you. Um, could you just uh, refresh? Um, I don't know if you are quoting from the Gospels or a different scripture. Uh, the part about the Pharisees. Um, what was it? Yeah, they didn't. They were. They knew the word, but they never received the the revelation of the word. What scripture were you? John chapter 5, verse 39 to 40. John chapter 5, verses 39 to 40. Yeah. Okay, thank you. That's what I had. That was my question. I, I didn't catch that one. Who has any question? Contribution? What did you learn? Do we have any questions? Do we all understand? All right, Felicia, you unmuted yourself. You can't talk. Oh, um... <clears throat> I don't have any questions today, but I was going to ask about my question the last time. Yes. We remember that. Good one. Mm -hmm. All right. The, the question that Felicia asked two weeks ago is, if the good we are bringing is to bring glory to God, 
Why do we get excited? Why do we get excited? I believe one of the reasons why we get excited is because we are being used by God to be an instrument of blessing. It's exciting. There is some pleasure that comes out of it. When you are being used by God to be a blessing, to be an instrument of of, of, of great blessing. There is fulfillment in that. You feel fulfilled. You feel, okay, I have experienced my life's calling. This is what my life is worth for. So I'm called to touch somebody, to be a blessing to somebody. I believe that's why we get excited. That's why we always encourage people to get involved in doing something for God because you experience real joy from that. So I believe that that's one of the reasons. Like if you read the book of Acts, anytime the apostles ministered and someone gives their life to Christ, the Bible says, and there was great joy in the city. There was great joy. It always, and there was great joy. You know, like, like you are happy that one, the person has gotten to know Christ and you're also happy that of all the people God could use, God has chosen you to be that instrument of good, to bring influence and to bring change. So that brings about an excitement. But like we said last, last two weeks, whenever we are privileged to be used by God to do something, let's always remember that it is for the Father's glory, not for our gratification. So if it just ends at our gratification, then we miss the mark. The bigger picture is that, yes, we are happy, we feel blessed that God is using us as as a conduit of blessing, as a conduit of good works. We must always remember that it is to glorify our Father. Amen. So, Felicia, have I answered your question? Yes, please. Thank you. All right. All right, let's close for tonight. What have we learned today? Someone, this one person could sum up uh, the privilege. What have we learned today? What did you learn today? What did you take home today? I learned that learning the word of God is the main focus is to have the revelation of Jesus or not just to read it as a story book or just to read it for fun alone, but to get the insight or the revelation of Christ. And one of the biggest things I learned today is also knowing um, knowing all the challenges. I don't know if it's challenges, but the thing that takes away the word of God from the heart of, from my heart or from my mind. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's, let's pray. Father, we pray that may our attitude towards receiving the word of God change. 
May our attitude towards reading the word of God change so that we can truly be the light of the world that you have called us to be. May, may, may people come to you through our good works that will bring glory to you. We pray that bring us to a place of influence. And Father, we ask that you continue to shape and change our lives as we continue to fellowship with you through the written word of God. May our sacrifices indeed be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you all. Thank you all for attending tonight's session. God willing, we shall meet again. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Good night.